Hey everybody. Um, welcome to another session of Mission Impact with um, myself, Tracy D. Allen, Ty Boone, Daphne Pettis. And today is the last in a series of management, right? Organizational management, business management, whatever you want to call it. So today we're going to be talking about hire, how to hire and retain good staff right? Because that is where it's at, being able to hire and retain good staff members. You don't have to be an HR expert to do it. You just got to use some discernment and some critical thinking skills and really look at what the person is able to bring to the table and not, oh, I think she cute. Oh, I think she could do it. No, none of that. Not even a degree is what determines whether or not the person is capable of doing the job. Having those real conversations, asking the right question is where you can find the right people. We need to stop looking at superficials and start digging deep. So that's what we're going to talk to talk about today. Again, it's the last in the series. And if you haven't checked out the other ones, you need to go back and look at workflow manage. Um, let's start from the beginning. We talked about um, developing. No, that wasn't the first one. Effective leadership. That was the first one. Effective leadership in nonprofit and nonprofits and social enterprises. You need to go back and look at that. And you can see some of the struggles that we've gone through, how we have overcome it, and tips and strategies for getting becoming an effective leader that is actually running a profitable program. And then we talked about developing and um, what is it? Developing and marketing, I think, or no, developing and maintaining profitable programs, right? So we talked about how to develop a profitable program that attracts funders to you. So you're not always having to go out there and pound the paper looking for funders. What does it take to have a program that has that meets its expected outcome, who you need to partner with, or how you should develop those partnerships and attract the funders to come to you? Theory of change is part of that. And then we talked about um, workflow management, right? How you can stop from pulling your hair out, knocking on your desk, punching holes in the walls because you are so stressed out because you have so much work to do and you cannot figure out how you're going to find all the time in the day to do it. So we talked about some tips and strategies to actually automate your workflow management and to uh, um, give that work to the people that you hire. Trust the people you hire. So that leads us down today to actually hiring and retaining, keeping them as your employees so you don't have a high turnover rate and you're not always having to train new people because that in itself can be a frustrating thing to go to. Welcome to the Change Agents Podcast with your host, Tracy B. Allen, social enterprise and small business funding strategist and the owner of TBA Consulting Group. The Change Agents Podcast is about empowering change agents, social entrepreneurs, social enterprises, and nonprofits with the knowledge, skills, strategies, and concepts needed to design, build, and fund their social ventures. go through. So um, welcome again to Mission Impact. My name is Tracy B. Allen. I have over 20 plus years of experience in the social impact industry. 
I help non Sorry, I do not. I help social. <laughs> I have to get away from that. I was a nonprofit uh, strategist for so many years. Sometimes it just kind of like rolls off my tongue. Right? I help nonprofits. No, I don't. <laughs> so I work primarily with social enterprises and social entrepreneurs and small businesses, and I help them to um, design, build, and fund their ventures so that they, you know, of course, have the lifestyle that they want, but I also help them to maximize their social impact in their communities. I am Daphne Pettis from On Good Ground Strategic Solutions. I am a nonprofit of consultant and strategist and social strategist. I work with uh, nonprofit visionaries and founders, uh, helping them to, um, uh, let's see, effectively work in the position that they're in, in their roles and responsibilities in the position of uh, executive director, founder, and leader of nonprofit organizations. I'm here. Uh, I'm Tabo. I'm owner of Tabo Enterprises. You know, like like Tracy and Daphne, I have about you know, 20 something years of experience working with um, organizations, primarily nonprofit organizations, helping them to move from um, startup and struggle to sustainability and success. That is what I do. Now, what was our topic? I forgot. <laughs> I really, I really did forget. So y'all got it. Ty, today we, we are hiring staff today. We, We're talking we about hiring staff. This is live. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. So, girl, it's hiring staff. Somebody need to be right over here with a, a topic card right there for me to take. I need to hire that person. Tracy, I think that the biggest mistake that we make when hiring, I'm going to start with the mistake, is that we don't have, we don't have job descriptions and scope of work um, outlined, right? So we're hiring people who don't know what we want them to do. And then we don't tell them what we need for them to do. So, you know, we'll interview them and like you were saying, oh, yeah, she's cute. She's nice. She's so, she's so sweet. And I like their personality. And, oh, let me hire her to, you know, to manage my program. You know, she, we didn't even talk about program management in the interview. I don't know. She, did she give you an example of how she managed the program? Can she, can she tell you what it takes? And for leaders, y'all, and I think, people always tell you not to be a jack of all trades, but if you're a leader, you're a CEO, you're the owner of your business, you're the person in charge, you want to know a little bit about a little bit of everything, right? So that when you're interviewing somebody, they can't give you a bunch of wooden nickels because you can't spend them, right? Um, if you're hiring a grant writer, for example, you know, I've hired some grant writers on my team. It's important that I know about grant writing. Because when I'm looking at their, you know, examples or when they're telling me about the, about grants, I should be able to have a conversation with them that they can follow about grant writing. Or they should be able to tell me some stuff um, that makes me know that they are an expert in this field or at least a, a budding expert in this field. If I want you to manage my database, I should know a little bit. I don't have to be, I ain't got time to be the database, the data manager, but I need to know a little bit about it. So that when you're telling me what you, you've done, I'm not, it, it's not something that's so far over my head that you can just pull the wool over my eyes and you, and you get away without doing anything, right? And a lot of times, and we have to also, you know, talking about scope of work, job descriptions, what is going to be required of you in this job? What am I looking for? 
What do I expect to have done? What are some goals? What are some deliverables that we're wanting to have met while you're in this position? And a lot of times we don't, we just don't communicate that to the potential applicant or the potential employee. We don't do it. We don't do it. And so when they come on and they don't perform, we're like, oh, they didn't do the job. Did you tell them what? I see this all the time with nonprofits and boards, you know, and that's, that's kind of a job, right? But they don't tell them. They don't know. And they're expecting that you can do this. I talked with someone the other day and they're like, you know, I'm interviewing and people tell me they can do stuff. And when they got there, they couldn't do it. Now, if you're applying for a certain, if I say I'm a brain surgeon and, <laughs> and I say, and I'm working in the hospital and all of a sudden I get the brain, the first brain surgery comes through. I got to do this. Whether you told me, Hey, you got to do brain surgery or not, because this is the job I signed up for. So I know that as a, an applicant that you hire for this position, I better know how to, how to do brain surgery. <laughs> I better, I better go. And my boss and the chief administrator of the hospital, they don't have to tell me, well, Ty, you gotta, um, you gotta do brain surgery. That's the job I apply for, you know, um, but being able to, to know at least a little bit about the process, what happens, what this look like when you're hiring into especially small businesses so that you can communicate to your, your employees or your contractors or whoever you're hiring, what it is you're expecting them to do. And, and I also think it helps to keep them straight. You know, not that I don't like to micromanage um, at all, but when my staff knows that I know what they're supposed to do, I think that it makes them work better, right? It makes me work better when I've, you know, worked, when I've, when I've worked with other people um, as a traditional worker, it's like, okay, he knows that this is supposed to look like this. So let me make sure that it looks like this, right? So I, I think it's my internet, but it keeps glitching on my end at least. So yeah, <laughs> um, and it could be my internet today. Um, yeah, I I agree um, that that piece that piece about um, knowing a little bit about everything in your industry in the, what you're saying that your company offers you don't have to be the expert right so you don't need to know every single little component of it but you need to know enough that when you're having a conversation with a potential um hiree that you can discern whether or not that person is actually competent in the skill that they're telling you that they are competent in. Too many times I've seen people hire someone just to find out they don't know jack about what they said they know about. And it takes so much, it costs you so much money to hire and fire, hire and fire, hire and fire, right? Because it is time, you know, time to put out the ad, time to look through resumes, time to actually interview, time to train, and then you realize, oh, this person is not working out. So like Ty talked about, making sure that you have clear, clear job descriptions as to what the responsibilities and the duties of this person are going to be and what are the requirements to getting the job, right? And then once you've done that, have a list, take some time. And I think, like you said, that's a big thing because I always thought about if I hired a full-time assistant, I did not have enough 
work for this person to do, right? So I was like, I don't need a full-time assistant. Well, my goodness, I took some time and I wrote down all of the things that I do in my business on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, and the things that I wasn't doing. That's the big thing, right? The things that I wasn't doing that needed to be done, but I could not do it because I didn't have enough time. I'm only one person. And so putting that list together of all the things that you need to operate your business effectively, and especially the things that you aren't doing because you don't have enough time to do them. Because you're not doing them doesn't mean that they don't need to be done. So one thing I was very poor at is email communication. Like I keep telling you guys, like you listen, you know, I hate emails, right? <laughs> so even emailing, mass emailing my, my client list or whatever, I was just not doing it just to sit down and I write all day. So writing is not the problem. It's just something about it. I had a block. So it was something that I wasn't doing. So that was something that I really put in the column. Okay. That's my assistant's job now. Um, go down the list, figure out what it is that you need to take off your plate to have more time to effectively do the revenue generating activities in the business and put that in a column for someone else to do. Then determine from that column what it is, who you need to hire to effectively carry out those tasks. So when Ty talked about knowing what it is that you want them to do, you really do because you don't want to hire somebody and they're sitting down twiddling their tongues, you know, just kind of like looking around, surfing the internet, just you're paying them for nothing. You're losing money if you have someone sitting around not actually doing the job. So you want to make sure you have clear duties for them to do. And I also hate to be micromanaged and I am not micromanaging anybody. I'm going to give you your job. And if you're a responsible employee, I just expect you to follow up. I shouldn't have to constantly ask, so what's going on with such and such? And what's going on with this person? You know, that kind of stuff. You have your job. Let me know what's going on naturally. If I have to constantly ask, you know, or follow up with my client, um, my, my employees on a regular basis and things are not moving, it's frustrating to me. So you have to, to create a culture as well. That's a part of maintaining Create a culture of communication. Let people know how to communicate with you and what is the best way to communicate. And one of the things I realized I had to do as a business owner, and trust me, I would rather not do it, but it's the only way to stay on track because you can veer off track really quickly. And once you veer off track, everything is off track, right? So I had to discipline myself to have weekly meetings with my staff members. Whether you're subcontracting, you're contracting, you're a hired full-time staff member, I have to meet with you every week. If it's for 15 minutes, if it's for 30 minutes, and my staff and I have we've gotten to the point where we're friends. So half of the meeting is spent just catching up and shooting the breeze, right? But we talk about business. We get to we get to what it is that we need to get to, and then we shoot the breeze for the rest of the time. But having those weekly check-ins, it just develops a routine between you and the person. And you know that you are accountable for something when you get to that meeting. That person knows that they're accountable to give you something when you get to that meeting. And it just keeps everybody on track, right? So that is my two cents on hiring and retaining. Of course, making sure that you don't, you have, you don't have to be friends with the person. You, you know, you're still their boss, but having at least a friendly relationship. I've developed friendships with the people who work for me, but you have to have that line where you know. There's a difference between the friendship and getting the work done as well. So, yeah, I think one of the um, 
the one things that we didn't talk about uh, real quick is orientation and training. You know, th- that is one of the most important things uh, within hiring staff. You know, you 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 got the job description, you did the interview, and you know, bef- and before you even get them into moving and doing um, the job, you have to give them some some type of orientation to your or, uh, to your business or your organization and and some training. And I think that's one of the things that uh, a lot of um, uh, small businesses and nonprofit organizations they fall short in that in that arena. You know, we expect you get in a job description, you expect them to just go forth and you know um, do the job, as they say, you know, in um, in the Star Wars, go forth and prosper. You know, but how 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 are they supposed to go forth and prosper if you don't give them the tools to go forth and prosper? And one of those tools is training. You know, you have to train them in in the job that they are. Um, have been put into and you have to train them as to how how the job is to be completed and how you want it to be completed because a lot of times what happens is you know we get to the point to where now you want to discipline uh, an, an employee for not doing something right but you didn't train them how to do it in the first place so I am so happy that you said that because one of the things that I had to develop in my business as I'm hiring um, people on a consistent basis is a welcome packet, kind of an introduction to the business, you know, what your next step should be, and then setting up like, so it's almost like that procedure manual, but in a more inviting way. So it goes back to what we talked about in one of the previous um, lives is that you have to have that procedure manual. It is going to help to make sure that your business runs effectively and it acts as a training manual as well. So you have your policies, your procedures and steps to success in that manual. If not, then you're gonna need to get on a forum similar to this, uh, you know, Zoom or um, Google or whatever, and you're going to need to have a training, let people know where to find stuff, how to find it. Do you have any questions? This is how I want this done or whatever. You're gonna have to do that so that people can be effective employees of your company, subcontractors, whatever it is that you're hiring, remote workers, you still have to train them. (laughs) So Daphne is completely correct. Look, I'm, I'm laughing because that's right in part. Okay, so I'm like, look, I'm like, girl, I need some no, I know Todd hates that part. <laughs> you got to stop. You got to pump the brakes. Okay, let me stop. And we're going to have a training day. Like, not like the Denzel Washington. Y'all know that movie training day. Sometimes it's like that. Y'all, y'all remember training day, the movie, and it got real violent. <laughs> it got real violent in there. Like, okay, we Sometimes training day is like that right there, girl. You train them, they like, girl, I don't want, we're not working with you no more because we don't, I can't deal with you. <laughs> you have to deal with this every day. I don't want to be trained. I, I picked the wrong profession. But training days are good. And I, I think that it also gives a, your, your contractor or your um, employee, it gives them um, an opportunity to experience what it looks like before they're in it by themselves, you know? I remember when I started working at a nonprofit that I used to work for, I remember getting there and my immediate supervisor had surgery like the the week before I started. So when I got there, there was no one there like for me to kind of say, okay, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Like, what is the thing? And I felt like I was kind of like in this big old ocean by myself, right? Trying to figure it out. I'm like, oh my gosh, like the person who interviewed me, the person who was going to be my boss is not here. And she was out for like 
nine weeks. Like, you know, when she got back, we had a whole different thing going on. Cause I'm like, you know, what is it? But I kind of felt, I felt like alone, like, all right, how do I, how do I do this? And then the pressure to perform. And I think that I, it's the same job I was talking about where I was finding it hard to delegate. And I thought, okay, if I, I need to, because then I'm, I'm, I'm definitely feeling the pressure when well, she's not here. So I got to make sure that I hold this department up. So let, let me do it. Let me take on all this stuff. And it was, I think that was probably one of the reasons why I went about it that way at first. Yeah, I think that's 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 interesting that you uh you mentioned that because I remember going into a position I was interviewed uh for as an as a uh, an administrative assistant for a nonprofit at that time, and uh, my supervisor was going out, and she went out uh, for surgery and she passed away. So and the 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 thing about that was is that we were a, a small three staff um, organization that was up under umbrella of another or of another organization but nobody knew what she did so it was like here it was now we all had to figure out what her role and position was and how to operate and things like that and i i think that goes back to what we've been saying uh, uh, throughout this whole series and, and being in leadership that it's important that you delegate it's important that somebody else knows what you do and how you do it so that in your absence whether it's planned or not planned that the organization and that you know the mission continues right you know so that that's that is the overall goal of the business is that that the mission continues that everything is still prosperous and profitable so uh so yeah so that is the one thing i thought about that right as you said that i was like man I remember that, you know, and I was in a position for a whole year without any support. And so, like she was saying, I had to figure out those things. And it's like, how unfair was it for me to have to be able to have to figure out those processes and procedures? And, and Ty, you know, when you're in a federal grant, the federal government don't care that the person, you know, has passed, you know, has passed away. You know, they, they, they're sending, they're asking for reports. You know, right? right. And that's and that's exactly what the Lazarus because we need to you know, here by, by and that's it, that's it, and that's exactly what it was. We fell into a final year audit and uh, a financial audit, a program audit, and you had all those things coming about. And 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 um, so yeah, so that's you know, in order for. Those things. It's just it's just good practices to have those things in place. You know those, those hiring strategies, those systems. You know, and to be uh, an effective leader, you have to have those things in place. Right. I think what Daphne is um, basically saying um, is you need to cross train. Right. You need to cross train, especially if you have a physical space like a nonprofit that has several employees because of what Ty went through, what Daphne went through. If she had if their people had cross trained and I think why people don't cross train and we're going a little over the time here, but I just want to say this last piece. I think one of the reasons that people don't cross train is because they're afraid that the other person is going to take their job away from them. And we really need to get out of this egotistical, it's me, me, me kind of thing and understand that if you're good at your job, you're good at your job. You're just training someone. The person's never going to be as good as your job as you are in most cases. But if something should happen to you, 
like Daphne said, that person needs to be able to continue the business. The business can't start and stop with you alone. If your business starts and stops with you, you really don't have a business. And <clears throat> I had to understand that because I had to restart my business several times because I've been sick and I was the business, right? So if I'm just the business, then it doesn't work because then I'm going to stop having um, income because I'm unable to continue on doing what I was doing. So having people in place, having systems and processes in place for continuation of services is imperative to the success of your business. And again, like Daphne said again, it goes back to effective leadership, right? I don't care if you're a nonprofit organization and you're the founder ED. I don't care if you're a social enterprise and you have... Um, a full staff and you probably have to answer to a board of directors. This is a paid board, not a nonprofit volunteer board. You have investors who invested and you have to, um, to answer to them. And of course, if you have to answer to them, they want to see where the money's coming from, or you're a social entrepreneur and you have this program on the side where that's your social cause. And you maybe have partnered with a nonprofit or organization, or you are just a product-based business, or you are a um, service-based business, single entity. We have to have effective leadership skills and you have to know how to hire effectively because when you do get into the point where you're hiring full-time employees with benefits, to hire and fire an employee can cost you upwards of $50,000 of money that just went in the trash bin, the trash bin. Okay, so you have to develop those skills. And again, anything that you don't know, you need to outsource it. Anything that's giving you a whole lot of problems, if you've done it one or twice and it hasn't been effective, then it's time to outsource it somewhere else to someone who's an expert, at, who's an expert or experienced at it so they can get it done for you effectively. I think that is what I have my last piece on this. Um, Daphne or Ty, do you have anything else to add? That is it. I mean, definitely, you know, I'm a fan of outsourcing because some stuff, <laughs> might, some stuff you know how to do, but you know, the things that make you happy and this, you know, what are the things that are in, in your mojo area that you're going to do and you're going to do so well, and it's going to bring all the money up into your business, right? That's the thing you need to do. All yeah. the other stuff, be like, girl, I'm going to have to get somebody else to do that because I'm, I'm exactly money up, right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Daphne, you have any last words? Nope, I think y'all summed it up quite well. So, okay. There you go. All right. Well, thank you for joining us for another session of Mission Impact. This is the last one again in the series. Make sure to like, share, subscribe, and comment down below if you have any questions. And if you want to get in contact with either myself, Daphne, or Ty, our information is in the description below. And until next time, have a great day, everyone. Okay, change agents, thank you for joining me today. And remember, there's someone in your community that is waiting for the programs and services that you provide, and it is your responsibility to make sure you get it right. Until next time, have a great day.